It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to CHGO Bears After Dark. Sponsored by Giraffe Kings. I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is Corey Wooten. Make sure you use the code CHGO when you sign up for Draft Queen Kings. Uh, <laughs> don't clip that one, Corey. Uh, I'm watching because I was, you know, I'm watching the New York games on. So, you know, Queens Boulevard, you know, makes me think of Entourage a little bit there. So anyway, getting getting on track here. Um, really was hoping to talk about a win for, with you for once. Yep. It's been a while since we've talked about a win. I think 343 days or something like that since the Chicago Bears have won a football game. I know me and you both thought, you know, with our predictions that they would come out with a win. Felt pretty good for about three and a half quarters, and then the wheels completely fell off the wagon. First, you know, the worst. Uh, comeback in Chicago Bears history on the wrong end of things giving up a 28 to 7 lead so you know Corey when you look back on what happened and everything uh just want to hear your perspective on it yeah it was definitely tough just because of the way they started with the exception of that first drive uh looked really great um Justin Fields and company like offense was was moving was moving like uh, he had a rhythm, you know, in the pocket. Um, ball was coming out quick. We we saw a, a different quarterback in this game, so it was it was good to see the offense finally come to fruition. Something that we talked about, um, and it's it's disappointing that it took until week four for this to happen. So it was right. it was good to see it finally happen. But Justin Fields looked comfortable. He looked like the quarterback that he that we thought he could be. Um, so it was really refreshing to see. And especially consecutive touchdown passes in the first half, three in the first, and then the first drive of the second half, which was unbelievable to see. And then all of a sudden, everything was starting to to fall apart a little bit in in that second half with the turnover. Um, Defensively, we couldn't stop anybody. The pressure. um, So this is a common theme. Defensively, that's that's the most frustrating uh, part for me, is that you're a defensive-minded head coach and you struggle with all these issues defensively, the blown coverages, the lack of pressure. It's his job now, this is his show, Eberflus, to dial up the blitz at this point, right? Russell Wilson had all day back there uh, patting the ball. The only times he was affected was when Jack Sanborn came on the blitz, right? Bring an extra blitzer. That's what I've been preaching the whole time. And look what happened on that play, right? They were able to get him down, force the sack. Three guys got in, combined on the sack. You have to bring pressure with the defensive line that's struggling. You have to at that point. You know, that's the only way they came back in this game. I know we turned the ball over uh, offensively, but honestly, if defensively, they could have been able to get pressure. I think this could have been a, a game that they probably could have won by two or three scores. Yeah, I mean, you see it so many times in football uh, where a team can go up big and then they start playing prevent defense. And then the, as the saying goes, you play prevent defense and you prevent yourself from winning because you let the other team come back into it. I think that's how the saying goes. If it's not, I just made that up. And, <laughs> you know, to me, yeah, dialing up the blitz, staying aggressive on both sides of the ball. I mean, you saw you talk about complimentary football when the offense started scoring some touchdowns. This is what we talked about last week. If, if they could get on the right track, the momentum would turn. I mean, when you consider all the injuries that the Bears have on defense, you know, their entire secondary was out. 
and yet they were still able to generate you know t- stops and and play a little scrappy i mean were they getting to the quarterback no but they were fighting and you know eventually russell wilson's going to find his way down the field i mean to expect them to hold them you know under 20 for all four quarters with all the injuries in consideration maybe not the easiest task for them but at the same time in those crucial moments they just refuse especially on third down we've been over this for four weeks now and you're like pulling your hair out at times where it's a crucial third down and you you're playing eight yards back i can remember one time it might have been in the first half it's third and eight and they're playing eight yards back on the on the right side or on the left side if it's the defense and they back up and they throw a little quick pitch to the wide receiver and he gets the first down it's like you gotta not only try to apply pressure but you can't give them that much room to work with yeah when you talk about third down conversions that's something that really killed the bears especially in that second half you look at you look at the the broncos right they were six of 11 on third down I believe they only converted uh, one of those third downs in the first half. All the rest of the five were in that second half, especially late in the third quarter, in that fourth quarter when the game was on the line, right? How many third and sevens, how many third and elevens did they have that they were able to get the first down? In situations like that, I just didn't didn't understand why Iberflus, you know, judging how that, that play happened with Sanborn and company, when you brought the blitzer, our Russell Wilson kind of panicked and held the ball a little too long. So I just didn't understand in the second half when you know they're trying to pass the ball to come back in this game at 28 to 7. This is where you can really dial up that blitz and you know tighten up the coverage a little bit by that rush a second. And then all of a sudden you got a, a flustered quarterback in, in Russell Wilson. So I just didn't understand why they made it easy for him. Because in third and eleven, that's a gotta have it down, right? You got to keep them in front of you and and be able to get off the uh, field and Russell Wilson. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven seconds. Boom, completes it. You can't have that. You can't have, especially a defensive-minded coach. So, you know, my 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 leash for Eberflus is getting short, man. I mean, honestly, like, I, I I just don't know how you could lose a game like that when you had that game in the bag. Offensively, they were playing. Think about this, right? If you look at the stats right now, I'm looking at it right now, 471 yards to 311 right, for, for the Denver Broncos. There is no reason why the Bears should not have won that game, right? That comes down to coaching. And then let's talk about that that, that fourth and one play, right? Yep, that's so exactly I where no I wanted problem. to go next. I mean, it's I have, unbelievable. I have no problem going for it, right? That that take that takes some 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 mojo right there, right? You got – I'm fine with that, right? But the play call, a gun run, and fourth and one, this seemed too much like, like Matt Nagy at this point, right? I'm fine – if, if you're going to do that play, you might as well kick three. You might as well kick three, tie up the game. But in this situation, I would have liked 22 personnel, get Blossom game in there, get two tight ends, and let's run a downhill run to Herbert, uh, to, you know, Roshan Johnson, or a sneak again with, with Cole Komet. These are right. the gotta-have-it plays. Or if you're going to do some kind of gun play, have Justin Fields one-on-one on the edge defender and allow him to make a play with the potential of, of a receiver going down the field. So you give him that run pass option. I would have much rather have him do that, right? You have a playmaker out there that can make plays, but you're going to just hand the ball off in a run gun. So I just didn't understand what was going on with that. Um, and that ultimately cost him the game, right? 100%. What, what did you think about that? Would you I, mean, I was disgusted. Point? I was disgusted by it because on before the timeout, they show shotgun to start. Then Fields runs up to the line of scrimmage. Hut, 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 hut. Hard count, trying to get him to jump. Okay, smart. I like that. Uh, good teams do that and get teams to jump. I even thought after the timeout, because they had another timeout in their pocket, maybe even two, I thought they were going to do that again to see if they could get him to jump and then just call the timeout because I personally at that point would have kicked the field goal. They were hemorrhaging. It was 28 to seven. Now it's 28, 28, 28. You finally have an opportunity to put some points on the board. And and yes, you got to hold them now, but at least a field goal, if you don't get it, doesn't beat you. It only ties it. That That's where yeah. my mindset was at. And then the other aspect of it is, you haven't earned the right to go for it there because you haven't proven in any short yardage situation that you're going to get it. I get where you're coming from, uh, conveying confidence, showing a little balls, but at the same time, 
you you got to earn that right to say we're going to do this in this crucial moment. They did a sneak earlier in the game with Cole Komet. They apparently didn't learn their lesson from week one because that barely worked. They were lucky. Khalil Herbert and Justin Fields pushed him across for the first down or else that was a turnover on downs. So to me, I didn't like it. Then you come out of timeout. Like you said, anybody that's ever played the game, and I haven't, most people will tell you being in shotgun there is one of the worst things you can do. Can it work at times? Sure. But go look at the Philadelphia Eagles and the way they convert on fourth and one or third and one on the goal line or whatever short yardage they sneak and they do like this rugby rugby pile formation, Mm. you know, shotgun. It's a cheat code. It's it honestly is a cheat code. (laughs) Like you, you look at their percentage on fourth down when they do that play. I, I guarantee you they're pretty dang close to 100% on that play. Like, nobody is stopping them. <laughs> it is real. a rugby scrum. They push the pile, and that's how you got to do it in those got-to-have-it situations. The only thing I'm saying with the gun run, right, so being a defensive lineman, right, if someone's running a downhill run from the gun, you love that, right, because they're four yards behind the line of scrimmage, right, and then all of a sudden the running back's on one side, and he takes two steps sideways, and then goes uphill. So penetration can happen like this, right? And all of a sudden, a defensive lineman is two to three yards down the field before the guy even has the the football, right, the running back. So I just don't understand that play, right? If you're going to have Justin Fields keep it and hit the edge, I'm fine with that all day, but not a downhill run from gun. That that makes zero sense, right? But I understand where where Iberflux was coming from going for it, right? Because your defense was struggling, right? You're trying to get a touchdown, or, you know, run the clock down as much, kick a field goal. So at that point, I understand that I because mean, his defense were, was struggling. They were, but, I mean, I think we're also forgetting a little bit we're missed. One of the touchdowns was a fumble by Justin Fields. Yep. So if we're going to be fair a little bit to because honestly, I wasn't as mad at Eberflus for the defense yesterday, who I felt like did a pretty good job when you consider that the – because before they went on their little run in the fourth quarter, they, they flashed some stats on the – on the uh, television where it said like Russell Wilson barely had like 120 yards and I'm sitting there like their entire secondary's out. Yeah. I don't love that. They, you know, do this thing where they keep everything in front of them. It's like the, it's like lovey without the sacks though, you know, like Tampa two keep everything in front of you, Ben, but don't break. But the, the other part of the Tampa two was they, they got to the quarterback. This team exactly. doesn't, but I at least could have some respect for the way they were playing, considering the amount of injuries they had to their secondary. Then they give up the fumble, which is a part of this. And to me, it was like, you know, I I personally, whatever, I don't have to, you know, to me, it's a good evaluator. And I I bring up Matt Painter a lot, but it's just somebody I really believe in from a coaching perspective. He always says, don't tell me about the results. Talk about the process and the process. Like we've been talking about of their decision-making before the timeout, then after to go for it, the whole thing with the shotgun and different options you have at your disposal to process what was wrong. You can you can point your finger all day when the result doesn't work, but it's about the process, which is the reason it didn't work. So, you know, going back to, you know, the, the results, or I mean, to the process of things, that's the other part of this coaching perspective I want to get from you. And this is something Adam Hogue po- pointed out, and that was the pivotal moment in the game was the fumble that tied the game 28-28 on a naked boot where the defensive end is blitzing the blitzing the the play action, blitzing the quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, uh, blitzing the boot, as Adam Hogue said. We've seen this not just in this game, but throughout this season and the second half of last year, where the defensive end is not crashing down. He is staying with the quarterback no matter if he hands it off or not. And more than a few times, Fields is left dead to rights because of it. And in this game, there was many, there wasn't many, but there was a good handful of, of naked boots where the defensive defensive end was right in Justin Fields' face, and he was able to make some miraculous play where he shakes the defender one time, threw a touchdown pass to Khalil Herbert, and that just shows off his ability. In that pivotal moment, he calls it again. Luke Getzey goes back to the well, puts Justin Fields in a tough spot, Justin's trying to get the ball out of his hands to dirt it, as he said after the game, mm-hmm. results in a fumble. From your perspective, is Luke Getze going to this way too many times, or is Luke Getze 
sitting there like, well, hey, these are the you because last week you said keep it simple, do the things he's good at. The other argument I've heard some from some Bears fans that are against Fields are like, well, he's not. This is the problem because you can only call so many plays with this guy and and defenses are able to sniff things out easier. Which one is it? Because I personally would have just stuck with the run in that moment, Mm -hmm. but I understand having to shake it up and and maybe throw a play action in there. But like I said, it was dead to rights for Justin. Yeah, I I feel like that's play calling. We we saw throughout the game and and most teams – are crashing at Justin Fields, right? Because they're worried that, that he's going to make an impact. So that's that's for Getsy. He's got he's got to look whoever's in the booth, right? He's relaying to him, hey, that end, that outside edge guy. He's just crashing down to the boot every time, right? And then all of a sudden, what do you do? You hand the ball off in that situation, or you run a draw in that situation. Then it opens up stuff, and then it keeps him honest. So that that was just that was a tough call. I mean, they had a great play call going for what he needed, but that was consistent with the game plan they had. So Getsy and company have to do a better job of getting that. Justin Fields has to has to be able to, you know, not turn the ball over in that situation because that was a determining factor in the game. I'm not saying that was the game decider, right? There's a bunch of different things that happened in that game that decided the game, but that's a huge play when a defense can can get a fumble recovery for six and tie up the game in that situation. So I, I just didn't understand in that, like, you know, you see them crashing. Run, run some draws, run some, hand the ball off. That's, that's the, in that situation, that's what you got to do. Um, but hey, anybody that had a problem with Justin Fields, even on the last route, that was on Cole Komet, right? I, Cole Komet even said that himself. That was on me. I stopped. He stopped the route. He's got to curl back in front of him, right? And if it's a tough throw, that should be an incomplete pass, right? That should not be a pick. Cole Komet stopped his route. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that, but he definitely did. He said it. And um, yeah, he talked when when we have him in studio here in a week, I don't care if that another game is passed. I'm asking him about this and he's Mm -hmm. clarified it a couple times, but they're not really, they're both saying they both can do better. And he he said it again today where he was like, well, how do we get on track with that? Well, we got to just communicate before the play, what we're looking at coverage wise. He mentioned the one thing that stuck out to me was, he was like, I we normally run that route shorter, but I'm trying to get a first down, so I'm running to the sticks. And that really stuck out to me there. Because then he also added, and the point that I was going to say to him, but he did add it. He goes, granted, we probably would have went for it on fourth down. Yes, don't worry about where you are yardage-wise unless it's fourth down. Get the catch, run the play, secure it, and then worry about the next play. And to yep. me, I think he was thinking, I got to stretch this out a little longer to get the first down. Justin Fields is sitting there like, no, man, you got to be in this spot. We always talk about Justin Fields throwing it with anticipation, and he doesn't. And Cole Komet, you know, the chemistry, it's just so frustrating with these two guys. They've been together for three years. You know, I, I know they've gone through some different coaches and everything, but you should have that chemistry and that understanding talking about these things on the sidelines. Hey, if this happens, this is what we're going to do here. Yeah. And in a pivotal moment, they don't. And and, it, and then all the blame does fall on Justin Fields for most fans. They, they don't care about the route concept. They just see Justin Fields throw a pick. Uh, you know, my buddy Shane Marsaw earlier shared, a, shared a, a tweet with me that says, kind of puts it on display for Justin Fields in game-winning drives throughout his 30 starts. And here are the stats. 30 of 62, 80 yards, zero touchdowns, six interceptions, three fumbles. I haven't had a chance to respond to Shane yet, so I'll respond to him here. Yeah, he, he, what do you, look at last year. What do you expect him to do? Darnell Mooney dropped a game-winning touchdown. Equinamius St. Brown dropped key third-down conversions. You got Cole Komet in a questionable route here in this moment. You've got a coaching staff that doesn't understand how to call plays too. It's, but we're going to, the stats are going to say it's all on Justin Fields and that's disappointing. He does hold accountability, but man, we're putting everything on this dude's shoulders. He's got to do it all. He's got to carry everybody. He's got to carry the coaches. He's got to carry the players. And if he doesn't, then he's not good enough because there are quarterbacks out there that can carry everyone. I, there are a couple. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Good luck finding those guys. 
I don't care if you do draft Caleb Williams. You can't just expect the quarterback to do everything. It's very rare to find the most special of the special that rise up no matter what. Patrick Mahomes, good luck to you. And, you know, so I it's disappointing because that was the last point I want to talk about before we get into some of the different topics for the night is Justin Fields, we talked, you talked about it last week. Simplify, boots, move the pocket, play your game. He did that. It was so refreshing to watch. He was under control, calm, collected, making plays, and not with his feet. Before his scramble at the end of the game, he had only had two rushing yards the entire game. Everything was from behind the line of scrimmage. When he's in the red zone and it looks like he's going to take off to the pylon and he stops, boom, Cole Komet comes wide open. That's something Patrick Mahomes puts on display every week. I was proud of him. It was like so great to watch him do that. And then to watch it all fall apart at the end and then Justin Fields have to carry the brunt of everything was so disappointing. But that is where I wanted to go with you when you talk about let's just kind of elaborate a little more because I feel like it's getting completely lost in the dust from the failure of the game to the whole Chase Claypool fiasco and the coaches that we don't get to even discuss and you mentioned it. It's take it took him four weeks to adjust, just like last year, where it took him like six weeks to adjust. But they did adjust, and now we're seeing a little more of what Justin Fields is capable of. So maybe expand on some of the things yeah. that you saw that made his day first three hundred yard game what yeah. it was. I mean, he was sixteen to sixteen Bears franchise record, right? I mean, he was confident out there, Braggs. That's the biggest thing. What the difference between this game and every other game this season, right? The three previous games is the confidence he had since drive one, right? The the first drive after the first drive, he really he really got into his own and and felt comfortable passing the football. He looked very comfortable, right? Yep. Comfortable. That's the key, right? Everything was a rhythm. One, two, three. There there was a flow to it and something we hadn't seen in the previous weeks. So for anybody that's doubting Justin Fields, yes, he he turned the ball over. He fumbled the ball. That's a tough situation. Most quarterbacks in that situation are probably doing the same thing. Somebody's up on you as soon as you turn. It's a bang-bang play. It was tough. But he played pretty dang football, pretty dang good football game, right? It's from, from that first drive all the way to the beginning of the third quarter, it was unbelievable. Like, he put on a clinic out there. Like, just, just so comfortable, so smooth. Um, it, it's something that we knew he could do. And people were saying, oh, this is the Broncos. They suck. Their first two games, the, the the Raiders and the Commanders, they played down to the wire. So, they're yeah, Miami put a 70-burger on them, but Miami is a talented football game. And on any given Sunday, look look at Houston Texans did to Jacksonville last week, right? Yep. They put up numbers on them. Yep. So, on any given Sunday, anybody can exploit anybody. So, I don't buy that when the people are saying Denver is this horrible football team. No, no. They've been, they can easily – you know, be, be two and one, three and one or whatever at this point, you know? So they are a good football team. Um, So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy all that. uh, That people are saying they're the bottom feeders and all this. They could easily be three and one right now. uh, If if games went a little different Miami, obviously that's an L, but the first two games of the season and this game, they could be three and one. So I, I don't buy that by any means. Justin Fields just look confident. And for anybody that's doubting him, you know, like they are, a bunch of other teams that would love to have somebody like Justin Fields right now. That's why when people try to compare him to Mitchell Trubisky, I don't get that, right? Because when Mitchell Trubisky left here, there weren't teams lining up to get him. If Justin Fields, if this doesn't work out in Chicago, there will be teams lining up to get him because of the playmaker he is, what he's been able to show in certain games. And I don't even think he scratched the surface of what he can be, right? Now it's about getting him consistent. So I think he has all the tools. I just think... I'm just worried that the Bears are going to waste a, a talent like him. I really do. That's what I'm worried about. Um, this was a step in the right direction, but I think just the team in general, right, that the lack of defense, the, the play calling and situational football has been awful, right? And, and and there's no reason the Bears shouldn't have won that game. They, yep. they should they should have finished that game. <laughs> no, a good, a, a well-coached team has this team at two and two because they could have and should have in some respects, one in Tampa, one against Denver. Those are winnable games that with a better coaching staff, 
they probably find a way to win. You can sit there. Um, there's been a lot. There's a lot of detractors here in the chat that are pointing out Justin Fields' deficiencies. But again, the adjustments they finally made to Week Four to move the ball is Justin Fields, Aaron Rodgers, because that's what Luke Getzey wants. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the offense he was calling the first three weeks. He wants Aaron Rodgers. Justin Fields is not Aaron Rodgers. Does that mean that Justin Fields can't win football games? No. He can do it a different way, but it's up to your your coach to put him in that best position. You know, and when you talk about, yeah, there's no question he's better leaps and bounds than Mitchell Trubisky from a talent perspective. I think some people situationally, when you talk about the Matt Eberflus or Matt Matt uh, Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, the similarities in their issues compared to Eber or Luke Getze, Eberflus, and Justin are kind of similar in that these coaches want to run it a certain way and the quarterback can't run it the way they want to run it. You know, obviously Fields has this dynamic playmaking ability that sets him apart from Mitch, but I think that's where they come into in between. Because like you said last week, simplify the offense, roll them out, move the pocket, half field reads to a lot of fans that, are really analytical that aren't just kind of they're sitting there going, well, that's a bad thing. He's not, if you're telling me you got to simplify the offense in his third year, that that's not good, that he should be able to play from the pocket, read the whole field. And there were times yesterday where I really felt like he was doing that. Uh, looked left at one point, found Cole Komet in the seam, wide open touchdown. So I do think he's capable of it. I think where both Matt Nagy and Luke Getze messed up were trying to put too much push too much on the plate too soon when a quarter you're trying to develop a quarterback if you slowly build him up to things i think you don't overload him like justin felt last week where he's like i've got too much data too much information i can't do this i gotta just play my game that's what he's talking about in my opinion uh here's some stats here from bill zimmerman he put on twitter projected stats now that we're through four games if he stays on this pace 64 percent completion percentage 3,659 yards passing, 30 touchdowns, which would be a Chicago Bears record, 21 interceptions, though, and 72 sacks, which would be more sacks than last year, at an 86.8 passer rating, 570 rushing yards he's on pace for, which would be way lower than last year, which to me is one of the most shocking parts of this stat. But I think everybody, if you had asked them before the season, Justin Fields is going to throw for... 3,700 yards, a combined 4,200 yards total and 30 touchdowns, we all would have taken it. And, you know, does he need to clean up the turnovers? Ball security has been an issue for him for four years. He absolutely – I understand that Luke Getzey didn't put him in a good spot on that naked boot. You got to eat that sack, man. And I know the rule is you can't take one, but you can't – you definitely can't turn the ball over there. The intentional grounding, you cannot do that. You, you're If you're dead to rights, you can't find somebody. You can't just throw it, man. And so he does have accountability. And for anybody that's watching this show that gets defensive towards what we're trying to talk about here – he is accountable for his mistakes as well, but it is incumbent on the coaching staff to not put him in a bad position. And, and, and so it's not just like it's one person's fault, which I think some people too often make it a one person problem when yeah. it's more than that. He he didn't lose in that game. I, I'll tell you that the way he played uh, through, through three quarters and majority of the game, um, he played really well. This is the best I think we've seen him play probably in his career. Like as as a passer, I mean he great the the reads right progressions. He was looking here, looking here, and then all of a sudden completing pass. We haven't seen that, so there was progressions, something that we hadn't seen in in the previous weeks. But look at look at let's bring up Joe Burrow for example, right? He's really struggling right now, right? Yep. A lot of that's because of his offensive line, the pressure he has in his face, and the play calling, right? So he's not doing as well as he had the, the two prior years, right? And there's a reason why, because of his old line, because of the play calling, right? But nobody makes a big deal about that. They're like, oh, he'll be back in no time because he has a track record of a couple of years. So Justin Fields is, is trying to figure things out, get stuff going. And honestly, like he is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks. Like he has a cannon of an arm. His feet are unbelievable. He looked, it looked like everything came together, right? Like, honestly, like, 
even even that the throw to commit, that was a tough one. That was the route. But he just looked so comfortable. I mean, he was throwing dimes. Like I'm talking about darts, the sidearm. He was in his bag. Like that one, normally he would probably scramble for a touchdown, but he set them up. He's like over there. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Patrick Mahomes dumped it to Cole Komet. That's how I knew he was confident. So for people wondering about Justin Fields, if he could be a quarterback, if he could be a player for the Bears, if if honestly this doesn't work in, out in Chicago, he will go somewhere else and ball out. I promise you that. He is that talented that somebody will find a place for him and they will game plan for him and go around his strengths and he will be a baller in this league. So Chicago wow. has a great quarterback in Fields. It's just about being able to use him right. And I just I just worry that they're going to ruin him with the, with the way the head coach has been with Getty at times with his play calling and then the, the lack of pressure defensively. Like it's hard yeah. to, to have a lead, be up 28 to seven and lose a game just because of consistent drives that they're driving on you. And a game where Russell Wilson was really struggling early on. Yeah, no, I, I said it last week to you. I said it on our post game show. I said it when we were in our hiring process for Matt Eberflus hire Greg Roman. And, and on the post game show yesterday, I was like, I'm firing everybody and I'm flying to Greg Roman's house and I'm not leaving until he gets on the private jet because I have confidence. And I understand there's Baltimore fans that will say, Oh, Greg, they ran him out of town. They hated him by the end of it. Well, you know what? <laughs> Luke Getze wouldn't have ever been hired period. Talk about running a guy out of town. I at least have the confidence. A guy like Greg Roman has the understanding of how to get the most out of Justin Fields. And it just doesn't seem like Getze is you know is an understand is willing to do that because he's trying so hard to create him into something he's not austin ellen chat reports are saying greg braggs absolutely knows ball we'll confirm later i'm here to tell you i don't know ball i know enough to be on a chgo bears podcast because i've been i've been Corey will tell you i've been going to training camp for 25 years i used to go when every year of his career as a bear i was there in the stands watching this team just like the rest of you I'm not going to ever pretend like I know what I'm talking about. And listening to Corey these last few weeks makes me a smarter football fan. And that's the truth because we're all just trying to get an understanding of this. And I see a lot of people in the chat. Gosh, how, why do you keep doing this to yourself? You'll never let go of fields. You'll never do this, that, and the other dude. I get it guys. To me, if you ask me when the season is over, as much as I hate saying this, cause I'm rooting for fields. He's not going to be the quarterback here next year. That's just my opinion. They're going to get rid of the coaches and they're going to reset the the clock on a rookie quarterback, especially if they have the number one pick. I, to me, Justin Fields would have to play a historic level of football these last 13 games or whatever are left for him to even move the needle on Ryan Poles if he has the opportunity to draft Caleb Williams. Because I'm sure the way he's looking at it from an evaluator standpoint is, talent wise they're not too far off and one of them's going to be cheaper one of them i don't have to pay for four years and now i can allocate my resources elsewhere so we're just talking about what the coaches can do better to get the most out of fields Corey certainly believes he can do better at, at, at another team and i would not be surprised at that but at the end of the day i'm not sitting here like you know i'm not advocating for other, anything other than saying if the coaches would put him in a be better position, he'd be a better football player. It's as simple as that. Uh, we're going to move on to a few different topics, but before we do, I want to tell you guys all about DraftKings. Now that Major League Baseball is underway, uh, you know, Major League Baseball playoffs are getting about to be underway. And also, the NFL season is still going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score 200 dollars instantly in bonus bets uh DraftKings isn't stopping there all customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game this October get in on the game day greatness download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CHGO new customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL that's code CHGO only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 
Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. Licensing partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. 21 or over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 186 hours after assurance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and, and responsible gaming resources. Shout out to DraftKings there. Uh, we got a couple super chats I want to blow through here. Um, we got our guy Ed Smith with a $10 super chat. Not big on Justin Fields. He says, Fields throws, interceptions, fumbles in the fourth quarter, clutch moments to win. Mitch only won against bad teams, but Fields can't even beat bad teams. What are we doing with more talent at QB, supposedly? And that's just the point, Ed. I mean, this is a team sport. And if you don't have... <laughs> You got it, you're just putting it all on on fields and and I understand that he is responsible for the 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 mistakes he makes but I think there's a bigger picture and context that's involved in that but hey at the end of the day his mistakes he has to own and and I don't I I think that the the development or lack thereof is going to be the reason he's not the Chicago Bears quarterback next year and then we're just going to have to find out when he goes somewhere else if it was something the bears could have done better, or if there is too many flaws in fields game for him to ever be the complete quarterback that some think he is, uh, the Duke eight, one, one, 1999 super chat. Woot. I have a question for you. Now, nah, you know, Duke, right? This is, yep. our guy. he's What's up, baby? Island. He's got the thing going on. He says, as someone who's been in team meetings, do you think play callers have such high egos that they only want to win if it's their way? I'm sure everyone would say winning comes first, but do you buy it? So I, I think there's a lot of play callers that that want to do things their way, no matter what. And it, it's it's like fighting fighting that temptation, right? Like I, this is my playbook, this is how I run things. But you got to think of it, right? Every quarterback is different, right? So a quarterback might not fit your situation, and all of a sudden you mold it, right? I always use that example of Alex Smith when he comes from San Francisco. He's tossed to the side. Colin Kaepernick's the guy now. He's just a game manager, Alex Smith. He comes to Andy Reid, right? And all of a sudden he molds his offense on to Alex Smith's strengths. And what is Alex Smith, a four-time Pro Bowl, leading the league in, in passing yards, efficiency, completion percentage? And this is a guy that everyone said was a game manager. So the coaching does matter. So anybody that said Justin Fields is not a great quarterback, the coaches have done him a disservice, and that's that's reality. If he was in another system, if he was with Mike McCarthy and in, in, for the Cowboys, he would be balling out right now with the weapons they have, with that defense. He's on the so, Niners. I've been saying that for years. Put him on the Niners and see. He'd be literally. He would have been MVP of this I, league last I year. I just I just don't understand. I, it's it's like people do not want to see Justin Fields do well. They don't realize how important the coaching is. It really matters in this league. That's the difference between somebody being a, a consistent pro bowler and then being out of the league as a career backup, right, with the coaching. And and I, I've always said, look at, look at Tua. Look at Tua from Miami, right? A couple years ago, right? Oh, he can't play. He needs to be tossed to the side. All of a sudden, what do they do? They get an absolute beast in Tyreek Hill. They get a left tackle, Armstead from the, the Saints, a, re, a real lockdown left tackle. And then all of a sudden, Mike McDaniel comes in, right? Uh, San Francisco disciple um, under under Kyle Shanahan, right? All of a sudden, Tua falls out last year, right? You know, with the exception of his concussions and whatnot, but is arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right? Repeating that this year. So what happened when Tua, everybody was saying he couldn't play, he can't be a starter in this league, they need to move on from him. That's the effect of coaching, and people don't realize that. There's some people that can play in every system, right? Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. They're just so smart. They can blend in. They're able to figure things out and, and play in this. Not everybody can. And that's what people are failing to realize. There's certain quarterbacks that go elsewhere, and then all of a sudden, everything starts to click for them. Right? It's not because their talent changed at all. It's because of the scheme that they were playing in, and their confidence grew because of that, because they, they were game planning for what they do well. And people don't realize that because they just see, oh, Justin Fields struggling last game. But Braggs, this is the best we've seen him play in his Chicago Bears career oh, across the question. board. Without a, with, with, he just looks so confident. He was going through progression. So anybody that says he can't play, he has me excited for Thursday. I want to see him do does. it again. He does, but but the the reality is, people think that just drafting another quarterback is going to change things. It isn't. This this coaching staff has to change things. 
and the coaching staff has to change if they're if they're going to be able to move forward because it doesn't matter. People say, "Oh, well, we could have had Patrick Mahomes." If Patrick Mahomes came here, he wouldn't be what he is. I promise you that. I promise you that was the best situation he could have been in, right? Going to Andy Reid, sitting a year, learning from Alex Smith, and then all of a sudden, after having that redshirt year, really understanding the offense, coming in there and being able to do what he did. So coaching staff does matter, and people say this, that, the other. The only one that I really think would have done well was Deshaun Watson because he was a guy coming out that I'm like, this guy's a proven winner. He's played consistent games all the way from high school to college, was a four-year starter. He's been in a bunch of games. He was one that I felt that could come in day one. Patrick Mahomes is a project. Everybody thought he was just ready to go. No, no, he was a project for a lot of these people. So if he went here, he wouldn't be who he is. Yep. Honestly, he really yeah, wouldn't. I Coaching matters. People sleep on that all the time. They think people, just because they're talented, they should just go out there and ball out, right? Patriots have done it for years. They get the guys that are thrown to the side all the time. A guy like Rob Ninkovich, right? He can't play. He gets cut from all these teams. And all of a sudden, he balls out. They find a space for him, right? Julian Edelman wouldn't have had the career that he had if he went to any other team. I really do believe that. They found a role for him. They found a way to exploit his strengths. And all of a sudden, he was arguably one of the most clutch guys playing in this situation. He developed and got more talented over time. But good coaching staffs and good teams find a great way to develop talent and put them in a position to succeed. And the Bears really haven't done that since Lovey. And, and that was mostly defensive, right? Think about how many studs Lovey developed, right? A guy like Henry Melton, a running back out of college, then switched to defensive end his last year. Right, a project they draft in the fourth round. Rod Marinelli puts him at defensive end. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, you know what? I think he'd be better fit as a three technique. Right. And all of a sudden, he has a Pro Bowl year, great pass rusher. That's how you develop talent, right? You find roles for people, you know? And 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 that's what Lovey Smith did. A guy like Nick Roach that I played with in college. He was this, he was a starting backer opposite Briggs and um Erlacher, right? They they developed Nick Roach, right? He was he was a special teamer for his first couple of years. Then he developed behind Hunter Hillmeyer. And then all of a sudden, when it was time for him, he went in there and he he, he made his mark at, at Sam. And then all of a sudden, he got paid going to Oakland. So that's how coaching staffs develop players. And when I was there, he took a lot of, lot of players and developed them into talented guys. You know, even someone like myself that, like, I was recovering from an injury when I first got drafted. My first two years, I got injured. And then that third third and fourth year, that's when I really came into my own. I had seven sacks in 2012. 2012 defense, we were one of the best defenses in the league, right? Rod Marinelli and Lovey Smith helped take us all to that next level. And that that's the difference, right? When you, when you look on paper, what we were able to do was unbelievable because of the coaching. They yep. put us in positions to succeed, right? They did. And that's the mark of a good team. And the Bears really haven't done that. In, in a long time. So things have to change, right? So people can't expect, oh, let's draft Caleb Williams and all of a sudden things are going to change. No, no, no. The, the, the recipe for building a franchise is starts with the trenches, Braggs. Why do you think Philly is in every game? Why do you think the past couple of years they've been so successful? The Lions right? because too. They have a, they, yeah, exactly, because they have a dominant offensive line. You look at the Lions too, right? Decker and, and Sewell, right? Those, those are the two tackles, young guys, that can play. They draft well. Aiden Hutchinson on the other side, right? He's a rising star in this league. You, you have to build around the offensive defensive line. That's what Philly has done. They, they they got studs out there, defensive players as well on the defensive line. They had four guys have double digits last year. That's how you win games. Yep. The Bears haven't done that, right? They get these back. Oh, let's get this guy here and this. No, no, no. You win it with so those two picks. They're saying, oh, we're going to pick, uh, you know, Caleb Williams with one or another one. No, no, no. You go, you go like this. You go defensive lineman. You go a stud at, at the edge rush, and then you do a stud at the three technique. That's how you solve that problem or in the free agency as well. And Poles hasn't done that, right? That's on him. That's two years in a row that we talked about. Where's the defensive line? Where has it been? Yep. That's two years he didn't address that problem. So that's on him, no, right? I, we talk it, about building a culture. And I get fired up about it because people say, oh, Justin Fields' fault and this and this. No, it's coaching staff and how they've been drafting the past couple of years. They yeah. put that problem at defensive end. They did. They got two sacks, right? They got two sacks this whole season. Now Last I, year, how many did they have? Seven? 
Yeah, the defensive line had the lowest sack total in franchise history last year with only 10, and the team was led by a safety in sacks last year. Yeah. And this year it's the same thing. And now they're yeah. not even, at least last year they ran into some turnovers. They can't even get turnovers this year. And I get your point. T3 Pre's saying it in the chat too. He's always on my ass, and I appreciate him keeping me honest. But it's the truth. We get to the draft, and we have the number one and number two pick. There will be a lot of dumbass Bears fans just like me that yell out, Draft Caleb Williams, draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And this is what I told uh, Mark yesterday. I go, what are we leaving out when we draft those two guys? The trenches, which is every year what the problem is and what turns into a trickle-down effect of why we can never win games or develop a quarterback. You know, because really, in an ideal world, you'd keep Justin Fields and draft a left tackle and a three technique because that's what you need at this point. You know, and... I get it. My whole problem is, is I just, I don't think that that's what's going to occur. I, well, it's two, two separate conversations. Yeah. I, I wish that Justin Fields will prove enough the rest of the year to be the guy. But I just think when you consider the contract situation and then if the, if they do have the number one pick and that's still a huge, if guys, it's not a guarantee right now, it looks they're the easy odds on favorite, especially because they have two picks that are one and two right now. But it's still going to take a lot of different variables for them to even get that spot. So if they're sitting there at five, maybe they do just keep Justin for his fourth year and pick up his fifth year option and just keep building through the trenches and seeing if they can unlock the full potential of Justin Fields, you know? So I don't, there's still a long season to go. Uh, and sometimes I kind of get three steps ahead of the conversation and it, the book hasn't been written yet. And Justin Fields proved that yesterday that, Hey, this story ain't done. I got something to say on this. Luke Getzey, even too, as much as we all want to, you know, you know, beat his ass for everything he's done. Yeah. He showed up and adjusted the playbook and, uh, and it, yeah, maybe it took a f couple games too long. He should have adjusted right after the Packer game, but he adjusted. So let's see it. They should have won the goddamn football game and maybe they'd have a chance to get to 500 sooner rather than later. Instead. Now we're staring zero and five down the barrel and, and, and that's to my point, you know, because T3P says in the chat, uh, you know, coaches only have been there 16 months and he is always in our chats preaching patience, saying that Bears fans are too quick to pull the trigger, whether it's on quarterback or coaches and giving up. Last week, Corey, you said if the Bears got blown out by Denver, that that Eberflus and Getsy weren't going to last long here. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing that happened, they gave us hope and blew the game. So where are you at when you hear fans like T3P trying to preach patience when it comes to the coaching staff? There, there, there is no patience at this point. You, you've had a full season last year to figure things out. You had an offseason where you had all these upgrades to offensive line, to weapons at receiver, um, and then we just haven't seen the same results, right? And then you couple that with calling a game plan Right. Last week or yesterday with, with the Broncos, that actually made sense. Well, your quarterback looked like arguably one of the best guys in the league. Right. For three quarters. He looked great. He looked confident. All these people that say he couldn't play. So I think this this hands down goes on the coaches. Right. If this is their first year. I'm all with a little patience. But you've had a full year of the system. Luke Getzey, I thought he figured things out with Justin Fields and he starts off the year doing the complete opposite. You're like. What, what is going on here? And then Eberflus, right? You're like, okay, Alan Williams is calling the plays. Okay, it's not really his show. But then when he has the play calling duties and you're still allowing Russell Wilson over there to make a sandwich, you know, go to the Mile High Club, <laughs> all this stuff, and then still complete passes, I'm thinking, dude, you're a defensive-minded coach. What in the heck are you doing? That's what, that's what I'm wondering. What are you doing at this point? Because you have to heat up. People don't realize, right? If you heat up a quarterback, look at Joe Burrow, right? They, oh, he he was the world's greatest last year, the year before, taking him to the Super Bowl. What has he done this year with pressure in his face? Nothing. Right. He's 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 looked terrible, to be honest with you. And I know he's been battling a, a calf injury and all that, but people sleep on the on the uh fact that pressure can can really disrupt the quarterback and cause them to make some errant throws. Like Jimmy Garoppolo started off the first week doing great. Then the next week's the Pittsburgh heats him up and he's struggling, right? Pressure is so hard for quarterbacks to handle. And that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to figure out. Okay, if I'm Eberflus, 
I'm calling it like this. I'm starting from from play one. If they're in a passing set, I'm bringing an extra guy every time. I'm sometimes bringing two. I'm going to tighten the coverage, buy him a second, get pressure in his face, right? I would rather them get the ball out quick for a four or five-yard gain than, than on third and 11, them over there. Oh, complete it for a 12-yard gain. Nope, yep. I, I, I can't have that. I can't have that, right? And as a defensive-minded coach, that, that bothers me so much. And it makes me think, like, what? During during the, the the pregame, during the prep, what are you thinking about? You know that you can't generate pressure with four, right? You know you have a talented linebacking core with Sam Bourne and company. So why are you not utilizing those guys? Because when they're when they're coming in in the gaps or off the edge, they can win on a running back all day. They're able to beat you know guards. They're able to do some games here and there. Mix it up. You're not generating pressure. Then you're leaving your back half out there with with guys all banged up. It's just not making sense right now. And this is 100% on the coaches. For anybody that said it's not, listen, this is this is the personnel they had, right? Ryan Poles and company left them out to drive with defensive line. It is what it is, right? But but you got to be able to stop the run, and you got to be able to, to heat them up, blitz them. If you don't have the front four, you got to blitz them. So in the next game, if they're, if they're sitting back there, the commanders all day making a sandwich, all this other stuff, you know, going downtown, D.C., all this. No, you can't do that this week. You gotta heat him up. Yeah, um, downtown DC is one of the weirdest places in the world because, like in any other city, you feel a sports presence, and in DC, you don't feel any of that. It's all politics out there, so it's like <laughs> it is a very weird city for somebody that just like bleeds sports in and out. And then you yeah. go there, and you're like, "Where is the sports bar around here?" Um, so, quick answer on this: if they lose here on Thursday night. We'll lose how like like badly <laughs> at this point i don't know because last week we were like if they get blown out they're gonna get fired i i could have never dreamed in a million years they'd lose the way they did on sunday i don't even mm -hmm. care how if they lose on sunday is somebody getting fired or am i gonna like jump in lake michigan so i <laughs> I, I think especially if it's a bad loss. I mean, I know I know the McCaskies don't like to fire anybody during the season, but I think this is a situation where they might just have to move on because you you've had two years and think about how many games where, where they didn't have as much talent as they had this year, last year, and they were in games. I'm talking about a three point game, seven point game, taking these teams down the wire like Miami last year, taking them down to the wire um, and, and just can't finish. Right. And I, I think that's a lot on the coaching staff. You have to preach to your guys through through your practice, through your conditioning to be able to finish. And that's something they haven't been able to do in two years. And this game was a perfect example of it. You dominated this game through three quarters. And you couldn't finish the game, couldn't finish the game. So that, that, that to me is on the coaching staff. And I think they're doing this team a disservice. I think they're doing Justin Fields. I'm a big Justin Fields guy. I think he is one of the more talented quarterbacks in this league. I think the Bears potentially could ruin a quarterback like him. I do. I do. Uh, to, and, to me, and it's they, a shame. They, it's a shame. They, to everyone, me, they already everyone, have because if he does, I mean, even if he figures it out somewhere else, like you said, which wouldn't surprise me at all, the fact that, like, right now, where we're at, they ruined it. They had an yeah. opportunity here and they've ruined it. Now, like I said, still 13 games for them to. Yeah you know, change that narrative. But as of right yeah. now, one game, it was great. Uh, but the fact that they haven't already gotten to this point consistently is just to me, case in point, how they already have ruined it. Now he might be able to figure it out in Atlanta or somewhere else, but that that's yeah. not going to make me feel any better. Yeah. If, if, I, if I'm the bears, I'm, I'm keeping him for another year, right? I'm really developing that the offensive defensive line. So I think that's half the battle. You look at all the teams that win championships and, and play at high levels is because a lot of times because of their offensive defensive lines and the bears haven't sure that up for sure. in, in the past, I, I don't know how many every year is like the, the last time they had a dominant defensive line was with Vic Fangio, right? With yep. Keem Hicks, uh, Khalil Mack and company. Uh, Leonard Floyd wasn't even playing what he did, what he is now. Khalil Mack but, had six sacks last night. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. So um, look, look how that look, worked out, right? I know it was a money issue, but you polls just put them in a bad situation. Defensive line. He really did. And, and there's no excuse for that. Like the thing is, Tampa two is rushing cover, right? Rushing cover together. Rush first, right? 
generate the pressure, which what causes turnovers. Yep. Without the rush, how are their turnovers? How are their defensive stops? It doesn't work like that, right? No. It's it's one of the schemes that relies on that front four. And my thing is like this: the first year, last year, okay, you didn't have the personnel, boom, boom, boom. But why again another year where you don't have a dominant three technique and you don't have one dominant dog edge rusher? Yep. I mean, look at Nicholas Morrow and, and Roquan Smith are the two highest rated running backs right now. And now because Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards haven't made any plays, people are starting to call them out like, oh, these were terrible moves. These guys were good players on other teams, and now they come here and they're bad players. Sorry, I'm going to trust the resume over what they've shown me under this coaching staff because look yeah. at Nicholas Morrow and, and Roquan Smith are case in point to that regard. Like, guys, it's a coaching problem we we've yeah. spent four weeks trying to decide is it coaching or is it the players it's the coaching it's clearly yeah. the coaching and you know i think you've you've really you know illuminated that fact here today uh you know before we get going i do have one more thing i want to ask you but before i do i want to tell everybody uh the, the official chgo tailgate was unbelievable yesterday it was the one bright spot you know aside from uh justin field's first 300 yard game our next one coming up is october 15th against minnesota but guys i'm telling you uh this was as fun a day out and i can't wait for you to come out Corey. you got to get up yeah. early i know you know you're big time you, i'm not gonna say you're hollywood like hogue but no. you might be a little too pampered but if you do come out you have an opportunity to have some fun uh tail greeter has been really great with us circus sports firewater barbecue uh, Goose Island beer, all you can eat, all you can drink. Vibes are included. Look at the line. Everybody lined up trying to get in, throw some bags with us. Uh, it, it, I'm telling you, it was as fun a day, you know, hanging out with Bears fans all the way from Ireland and everywhere else in between. And uh, there it is, the Chicago Bears tailgating club, guys. Got to come out sometime and have some fun with us. Um, and just look for, we got three more tailgates coming up. Go to allchgo.com, hit the events tab, and if you become a diehard, you can get a discount on that event and all our future events going forward and get a free shirt right out the gate and discounts on those shirts. So a lot of different advantages if you become a diehard. Hang out in our Discord chat with Gary Ross, Matt, you know uh, Matthew Gregory, and a whole bunch of other guys and gals. Um, so, like I said, and you get Adam Hogue's newsletter, which is exclusive to, to diehards only. So make sure you sign up to become a diehard bears fans. Uh, so before we get out of here, I really didn't want to like touch. They, they spent the afternoon show probably talking the entire time about chase Claypool. Personally, I'm at a point where I'm like tired of it, to be honest with you. He's it's been a, it's been an issue for four weeks. It was a longstanding conversation through the whole off season. And now we're here. He's inactive. I thought the way the head coach handled it yesterday and today was embarrassing on his part. Like he should be embarrassed for the way he handled it. But I do want to get your take as someone that's been in a locker room before when you, from that perspective alone, when you watch the way the head coach has handled this, maybe he should have been inactive after the first week when he didn't show effort in the pass blocking game. Yeah. Now, now you're four weeks in and he says yesterday, he didn't even know that the team told him to stay home. Now today he's trying to clarify and backtrack and all this different stuff as a player in the locker room. If you ever saw something like this handled this way, what would you be saying to your friends or your family when you got home? Cause I have to imagine some of these players in the locker room are looking at Matt Eberflus with a side eye going, what are you doing, man? Yeah. I, I think, I think that that makes you lose faith in your, in your head coach, especially when he doesn't even know what's going on. Right. And, and this is a situation with, with Claypool, right? If this was, this seems like it's been an issue for a while, especially after week one, you got to nip that stuff in the butt. Like you have to, right? Like, especially with anything, seems like he's been a negative locker room uh, presence, especially when he doesn't get the ball and the lack of effort. Rags, I've seen him at, at the waste management, right? He's he's about almost six five, probably about 245, a specimen, right? There's no reason at all that he should get knocked back by 5'10", 180-pound DB ever in his life. He should be pancaking people, throwing yep. them to the sideline, putting them on the bench, right? Like, li literally, he is a specimen. So he thinks he's better than he is, and, and that's just reality. He was on a show with Brandon Marshall, uh, I Am Athlete podcast, and said, oh, I'm the best receiver in the league. Huh? Like, I, I understand you got to be confident in yourself, 
but don't be unrealistic at this point, right? He, he had a good season his rookie year, and ever since then he's fell off, right? And it's not because of a lack of talent. I, I do think he thinks he's better than he is, and he doesn't work as hard as he should because he literally is what you would expect. If you're drafting a guy, a prototype guy, let's say you're creating a player on Madden, that would be the type of guy you're creating, right, with, with the, the strength, the speed, the size of him. There's no reason why he shouldn't be a dominant player in this league. Nope. I think he mentally is getting in the way of that because he thinks he's better than he is. He thinks he's owed something. I'm sorry, you're not Antonio Brown. You're not a guy that's put up consistent numbers, Pro Bowl numbers, over 1,000 yards every year, been one of the best receivers. You're not. You're not that. You maybe could be, but you're not. You're not because I think he gets in the way of his own head. I agree. Uh, you know, he's got some maturing to do. I mean, he's still – yeah, he's a professional athlete, uh, but at his age, when I was his age, I was, you know, immature guy took me along. It wasn't until my daughter was born that I finally grew up. And even then I didn't really completely grow up, Corey. I think, I think we're all aware of that. We do have a couple super chats in here. I want to poke through real quick. Steven Nageshi, a good friend of mine. Uh, do you all trust polls though? Do you trust him at all? Uh, Corey? Cause I, I actually am still a big believer in Ryan polls. I think, I like the way he sets up things for the future. I like the way he negotiates sits in the negotiation room and he holds to certain numbers, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I don't expect a GM to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes in the draft. You're going to make mistakes in free agency or a trade. I can accept mistakes. So where I'm at personally, Steven is I'm willing to let, if they're going to get rid of the coaching staff and even the quarterback after the year, I'm still going to like, I'm still going to let Ryan Poles play this out. Where do you stand, Corey? Yeah, I'm I'm on the fence about him, honestly, because I, I think last year he didn't address the offensive line situation before last season, and that 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 was a shit show, to be honest with you. It was last year with the offensive line and uh, struggling to to protect Justin Fields, and then two years in a row of not addressing the defensive line. So you being a former offensive lineman, understanding how important the battle of the trenches is and not addressing the defensive line in two consecutive years in the offensive line last year, um, that's where I have a problem with him. Um, you know, the jury's still out. I mean, he, he could turn around and, and be the best thing that ever happened in Chicago. But for me, that that's that's where I'm standing. I'm a little disappointed the jury's still out to see uh, how, how he can do things, especially like this is this is arguably one of his most critical years in in his uh role as as a gm i i really do this offseason this free agency yep. and this draft i think determines the future because you left the team out to dry two years in a row first the offensive line now the defensive line twice in a row yep i agree i mean i also think injuries also took a hit on him with trying to like you know get away with not plugging all the holes well then you're you know if you're getting all these players, bringing Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, you're bringing in, you know, Nate Davis, you're bringing all, well, oh, Nate Davis can't play for the first few weeks. You know, those things happen sometimes. Mm. Tevin Jenkins gets hurt. Uh, you know, you your left tackle, Braxton Jones, is out. Your entire secondary is out. I, your depth takes a huge hit. So I'm still willing to let Ryan Poles play it out. We're going to spit through these here real quick because I want, I want Corey to get to bed. Don't want him, uh, you know, staying up too late now. You know, he's got, he's got probably got to hit the eighteen holes here tomorrow morning. Uh, G, G Mav, he was asking if I read suit. Yes, we do. I apologize. Sometimes we got to push some to the back end. He did have a really interesting stat. Josh Allen didn't throw for three hundred yards until his 29th start in the NFL. Denver was Justin's 29th start as well. I like that. More of those super chats that give me hope. It's all I want in life. People, um, people want people want everything uh, built overnight with with quarterbacks, and sometimes it does take a process. It takes process, right? Even a guy like Brett Favre, right? His first couple of years, eh, you know, like it takes time for guys to develop. Like Josh Allen, like you're talking about. Steve McNair was a quarterback that struggled his first couple of years. You know, like there are a lot of talented quarterbacks that started out. The jury was out about them, but People don't want to wait, especially with social media and the, the amount of sports shows we have from being on ESPN to NFL Network to podcasts to live stuff. People want results right now. Right. And they're not they're not willing to wait for anything. They aren't. Right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's a process. And what we saw on Sunday yesterday was unbelievable. What we saw for, from three quarters from Justin Fields. Right. Was unbelievable. 
franchise record, 16 of 16. He has all the tools, Braggs. It's about the coaching. And, and Getsy, from that first series on, right after that first series, the coaching was a lot better, right? And in the second half, there's a couple questionable plays. But for the most part, Justin Fields, you can't complain about the way he played. That would win a lot of football games for most teams that have a, have a decent defense. Yep. No, I agree. Uh, expecting him to do everything at all times, I think it's been unfair, especially in a game. Yesterday wasn't the day to put it all on fields, and it was really disappointing how it ended because it just took away all the, the positive things that happened. And we're a fan base and a team, players, co everybody's just starving for a little positivity. God forbid we have that for one second. We got it for three quarters. Jeez Louise. Final Super Chat, and then we're going to head home. Joseph Holman, 999 Super Chat. Why spend the number one pick on Caleb Williams, as uh, Corey's been alluding to, when he, via his dad, says he won't come to a team like the Bears? I get the sentiment, but if he hints of a guy not up to the enormous task of being a Chicago QB... I, you know, I think some of these rumors and, and some of the things coming out of their camp, you'd have to let this stuff play out. I understand the, the concern there. You'd if you were to ever get rid of Justin Fields, you have the number one pick you intend on drafting Caleb Williams. If you're the bears and you're not back channeling to ensure yourselves that he is willing to come here, then you do have to change what you're going to do if that's the route they choose to take. But you know, we've got all season to get there. I know sometimes I skip ahead to conversations like that because that's just kind of where my mind goes about things. I'm looking ahead. I wish I could be just looking at the next three games and how this Bears team can get to 500 because I want the Bears to make the playoffs because I'd much more prefer to talk about that than a goddamn tankathon two years in a row. But at 0-4, a team like this with coaching staff on the hot seat, none of it's good right now. And it's hard to not skip ahead to the moment that they can fix this. And that unfortunately doesn't look like that's going to happen until the off season. So that wraps things up here tonight. Thank you to everybody that tuned in, had a good uh, live crew here in the chat while the Monday night game has been on tonight. So we can let everybody get to that. Please hit that like button on your way out. Subscribe. Uh, thank you, Corey, for uh, coming out again and, and putting us, taking us to school, especially me. I need it. Uh, you know, I, Hey, like I said, I'm only gonna, I'm never going to pretend like I, I know something I don't, I know. So only so much as a fan, having gone to training camp for 25 years, watched you guys play. I know the difference between a guy that doesn't have it and a guy that does that's, that's where it is. I'm just another fan in the stands, but I do have a perspective on this game that is maybe not from your standpoint as a former player, but somebody that's seen it from a different angle, a different lens. And so being able to combine your knowledge of this game, your knowledge of what things go like in the locker room, I think really helps fans that are a lot like me that only know the game on a very surface level. So we appreciate you bringing that knowledge here tonight. So that wraps things up once again, appreciate everybody tuning in, hit the like button on the way out, tune in tomorrow at noon for the next CHGO bears podcast with Adam Hogue and Mark Carmen. So that, does it here and uh we'll see you tomorrow bear down ladies and gentlemen